Next on BYUSN, the official football season preview special. Everything you need to know so you feel ready to kick off the Cougars Power 5 era. Head coach Kalani Sataki will join us live, plus season projections on every prominent stat and the boldest guarantee for the Cougars in 2023. Plus, Blaine Fowler discusses the new personnel on offense led by Keaton Slovis and Aiden Robbins. And David Nixon breaks down the Cougars' new defense led by coordinator Jay Hill. Let the season start already! Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, August 22nd, the official season preview special. Behold! Indeed. It's let's, official. Let's go. I am Spencer Linton alongside prime number fanatic Jerem Jordan. Apparently I like prime numbers. I talk about them occasionally, which brings us to the countdown to the Bearcats in how many days? Hit it! Countdown to the Bearcats. 11 days. 11 days. We're almost there, people. Week and a half. We got women's volleyball starting this week. Women's soccer's in season. We got Kenneth Rooks yeah. going for a world championship coming up this afternoon. So there's stuff going down. But today, on this show specifically, we focus on the football season. We got uh, predictions, and we'll cover all the uh, offensive and defensive groups, special teams. Uh, Will Ferentz, the kicker. Ryan Rico is the punter. That's what you need to know for the most part. Uh, but it's going to be a fun show. We got Kalani on the show today. Blaine and David. I'm excited, man. All Big 12 punter Ryan Rico, you mean, you mean right? I think he'll be first team <laughs> all Big 12. Is he going to punt enough for hopefully it to count? Not. Well, hopefully not. Hopefully not. <sighs> 11 days. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. BYU football schedule will be the toughest the Cougars have ever faced. Ten Power Five games, nine in the Big 12 Conference. What's Trending presented by Feastbox, donating 10% of every order to Full of Hope, a charitable organization that feeds hungry families. Let's do this and kick off our hour-long jam-packed show with our season predictions, Jerem, for every single prominent stat and more, at least we think, <laughs> as it pertains to BYU football version 2023. Yes. Beginning with, of course, how many games BYU going to win? What's the record going to be? And what's the record in the Big 12 going to be in their first go-around? Look, I'm going conservative on these, okay? okay. Uh, I would like to be, uh, you know, underestimating things. Sure. Uh, rather than just going 9-3 and three and 6-3 uh, and three in the league or whatever. Um, I'm going 6-6. Six and six. Okay. I'm going to stick with 6-6. Six and six. I'd love for BYU to be 8-4, and four, trust me. And then Big 12 record, 4-5. and five. I right. think 4-5 and five is a nice start in the league. So 2-1 and one in non-conference? Yes. I, I have a loss at Arkansas. Just, okay. you know, hopefully BYU can uh, upset the Razorbacks uh, and win that one. But uh, that's what I go with. 6-6 six and six overall, 4-5 and five in league. I think, I think that's, that's just fine. It's not, it's not like great or even good. It's, maybe it's relatively good given first year in the Big 12, but those are, those are the numbers. We're not far off, but I can't back down from what I said months ago for the first time. Oh, no, stay with me. Which is lucky seven. I think BYU is going to win seven games, and they go five and four yeah. in the Big 12. I think mm -hmm. a winning record in year one of Big 12 play be would fantastic. be incredible. Yeah. I think there are enough close game opportunities given on how much parity we think is going to be in this conference. The BYU with their experience, mm -hmm. with an experienced senior leader quarterback, they'll find a way to make a couple of plays late in games, and they're going to win the majority of their Big 12 games. So 7-5 and five 
five and four overall. Yeah, one and everybody should feel fantastic about that. Mate, you got to make a bowl game. If you don't make a bowl game, it is, it is disappointing no matter what. No matter what in BYU football, we always expect at least a bowl game. Okay, bowl prediction. Which bowl and opponent? <laughs> Call your shot. I want vengeance against Liberty, Jerem. Oh, a tie-in with Conference USA, BYU in the Armed Forces Bowl. Yep. If you remember, BYU fans, the Cougars opened to the Independence Era, a new era. Their first bowl game yeah. was the Armed Forces Bowl. Yeah, that, I've held that trophy. It's the heaviest trophy BYU owns. It's and they crazy. win with the red alert play, Riley yeah. Nelson to Cody Hoffman against Ooh. Tulsa, 24-21. BYU goes back to the Armed Forces Bowl. The Big 12 has a secondary tie with the Armed Forces Bowl, I think with 14 teams in the conference and maybe some other conferences not fulfilling their bowl obligations. That'd be in Big 12 country as well. Yes. Dallas. So it's a secondary tie, but there is a tie with the Big 12. Mm-hmm. They take on the Conference USA champion. They're going for the best matchup. Western Kentucky is the favorite. Liberty was picked second. Western Kentucky 2020 rematch. Okay. That could be fun. Okay. Also, matchup of the greatest mascot, mascot bracket, big, right? Was a big, big red. red and Cosmo. Yeah. So Western Kentucky would be fun, but I, I like the idea of vengeance against the Liberty Flames in the Armed Forces Bowl, BYU and Liberty matching up in Texas. Jimmy Chadwell, Coastal Carolina coaches there now. There's that connection. Okay. I go Independence Bowl. I just think that's where BYU is going to slot in. But it's it's Pac-12, and it's UCLA who shows up in, like, the sixth or seventh spot. Okay. It's a disappointing season, and uh, it's a P5 matchup against the Bruins. That's my bowl prediction. I thought about that, about the Pac-12 matchup, and thought maybe it's Oregon State. Maybe it's BYU-Oregon State. Oregon pretty good State. last year. We all kind of hope it's Utah having a terrible season. In the Independence Bowl? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, let's go. Keaton Slovis. All right. Uh, we've broken it down. Pass yards, completions, touchdowns, yeah. interceptions. And why not throw in a longest rush okay, here's of my, the season? Here are my numbers. 3,384 yards. I think he has a nice passing season there. 65% completions. Okay. 29 touchdowns, just hair under 30. Ooh. 10 picks. Longest rush is his longest of his career by okay. one yard. Okay. 25 yards. Okay. You like 25 yards. So a, a new career best. A new with career Slopes. best. What you got? Okay, my numbers. 3,421 passing yards, which is roughly 263 per game, yes. including a bowl game. We don't know what the other did, by the way. We didn't talk before. No, so no, I'm, I'm no conversation. 34-21, 263 a game, yep. 66.1% completion I percentage. I like the point one. He's 65.9 for his career. I think it's just an yeah. uptick there. Yep. 31 touchdowns which would be a career best for him by one, Mm -hmm. and nine interceptions. I feel like he's been pretty consistent in that number. Uh, I know that Mm. Aaron Roderick values possession a lot. Yes. But I think Keaton Slovis, by nature, is just willing to take a few more risks. But 31 touchdowns and nine interceptions, you give me a three-to-one touchdown-interception ratio, we're golden. Longest rush, well, that's one of my favorite numbers, 21. 21 yards. yards. Doesn't have a new career, but 21 yards is Keaton Slovis' longest rush. Against Texas Tech. I like that specificity. (laughs) Uh, Aiden Robbins, uh, rush yards, yards per carry, rush TDs. Uh, why we not just specifically go with him? We're not like going. Lead, who's the leading rusher? We why, think. Why not just stay with things that are aesthetically pleasing for me, numerically speaking? Okay. One thousand one hundred eleven yards rushing. What? That's what I said are exactly. Say- <laughs> oh no, I said a thousand eleven. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. I was okay. like, holy. I'm a hundred more okay. than you. One thousand one hundred eleven. Okay. So I'm a hundred. A hundred yards apparently more over you. Okay. Eleven eleven. Five point one yards per carry. Okay. Yeah. So he averages 4.9. Yeah. 
10 touchdowns. He hits double figures in touchdowns. I kind of hate how similar we think sometimes. <laughs> okay, I have 1,011 yards. We're so different. Um, five yards carry, flat, mm -hmm. 11 touchdowns. So not super Ooh, different. Okay. I have fewer yards um, and a just a little under the yards per carry and just one yeah. more touchdown. So, yeah, there's Aiden Robbins. He's going to have a 1,000-yard year. We think very highly of Aiden Robbins yes. and this offensive line. Yes. We think very highly of them. Let's go. I, I'm essentially centering on an average of 85 yards a game. He's going to have some yeah. big games and some games that are under 85 yards against it's really stout defenses. It's going to be hard to run defenses. against Texas, for example. Sure, but yeah. essentially 85 yards a game, 5.1 yard per tote. Yep. Okay, leading receiver, and we've broken this up into yeah. three separate categories. It doesn't have to be the same person, but leading person as far as yards go, receptions, and touchdowns. Okay, receptions. Chase Roberts, 49. Okay. Who you, who you got? I got Keanu Hill. Keanu Hill. How many? 45. Okay. Yeah. His durability matters. Yep. Okay, yards. I have Cody Epps, 529. Ooh. I think Cody Epps leads. I think Keanu Hill's going to have a, a few more than he had last year. Mm. Okay. 707. He's also my yard. 700 leader. would be good given the balance of the kind of top five. I, I think his availability. He plays in every game. Like, think about all the guys that have been injured in the yeah. receiver core. Keanu Hill's always there. Yes. Wreck uh, uh, TDs. Keanu Hill, eight. Ooh. Same number Keanu for Hill. me. But I'm going with Isaac Rex. Mm -hmm. Isaac Rex will lead BYU in touchdown receptions with eight. There you go. Okay, uh, leading tackler in how many? It's going to be a third consecutive year for Ben Bywater, Jeremy. Three, how many? 88 tackles for 94. Ben Bywater. You got 94 just for a, Ben. Just a little more. A difference of six, but we both think Bywater's going to lead the Cougars. Get 89 plus, please. <laughs> well, is it closest to the pin, or is it like if it's over, it goes to you? What like, is how it, do, Colton? We is don't this, know. This, I don't know. Are these prices right rules where if you go closest to the pin? Closest okay. to the pin. Okay. okay. Well, that would have been good to know. Okay, very good. So um, you need 92 or more, and I need. Uh, 90 oh, well 91 maybe like a split down the middle is that yeah. how that would work i'm not sure okay yeah, we'll all right out. who cares how uh, many field goals will be made from 45 plus yards I, it's hard to know we we don't know how you know how big will Farron's leg is at the moment i'm going two okay I think there will be two this year we agree on this yeah two okay well, boring okay watch okay do, does okay. one of us need to make take a stand and be no. more aggressive it's okay should i up it to three <laughs> If you want. Oh, uh, my gosh. Okay, Lee, uh, let's see. How many sacks and takeaways? We're combining the sackaways, if you will. Okay. Um, how many you got? Uh, there were 28 total last year. Yeah, 28 total, which is just not That's good. It's pathetic. It's just terrible, Do right? Yeah. Uh, 15 sacks and 13 takeaways a year ago. Yeah. I think BYU doubles in each of those categories, Jeremy. Mm -hmm. 30 sacks for BYU this season. There should be. 30 sacks? 30. Straight, wow. Straight up. I, I 30 sacks? Yes. If they're going to be aggressive. Hold, hold on, hold on. Sacks and takeaways, you have, oh, 55. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like, listen. Wow. Listen. That's a high number. If BYU is going to be aggressive. That's a high number. They need, they need to show them. They had 15 last year. And 15 was lowest in the country. Well, second lowest Colorado in the country. Colorado was the worst. But second lowest in the country. Yeah. 30 would be nice, man. 30 sacks. Yes. Yeah, 13 games. Game. You average a, a hair more than two sacks per game. Is that too much to ask? It, a little more than two sacks per game? It might be. I don't know. BYU's going to be in a Power 5 league. Like, all these stats aren't Mountain West or Indy or WAC, right? Um, hard to know. I'm, I'm much lower. I'm like 40 sackaways uh, okay. in the combo okay. number there with takeaways and sacks. Um, I, some, to some degree, takeaways are lucky. Yes. Um, but sacks, you get after the quarterback, and, and if he doesn't get the ball out and everyone's covered, it kind of depends on the secondary as well. So there we go. Perfect. We differ. Uh, a lot in that Yes, one. yes. I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm in show-me mode, and I'm buying it right now. The BYU is going to be more aggressive. They're going to create more opportunities. They're going to give up. You're, more. In, it, you're in Costco mode. They're you gonna, think there's a lot yes. of three-packs, 
five packs, 55 packs. They're going to give up Let's more go. big plays. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm guaranteeing that as well. Yeah, we didn't say how many 50-plus yard yeah. pass plays will be. Hey, here? whatever. There, there might be a few, a handful. <laughs> but they will be aggressive. They'll double the sack total last year. Yeah. 25 takeaways. I think yeah. this defense will be opportunistic. Yeah. Okay. So that's my That's my hottest take here in these projections. I had to go a little crazy on one of them, and I thought that yeah. was the area to do it. Yeah. Fourth down conversion percentage. 33% last year. I go way higher, 56%. Yes. Which should be 45th last year. That's not crazy aggressive. I'm not too think? far off, 60%. Okay. It works 60% of the time, all the time, Jaron. Thank you. 60% fourth down conversion Anchorman. percentage. Onside kick, will there be a successful one? Yes or no. I say no as well. No. It's so hard to get one. BYU got one. Last got one, what, Houston 2020? 2020. Which was amazing. That tra- it changed the game. It, it I won BYU the game according to Dana Holder. Let's just ask Kalani next segment if they're going to onside kick and get one. Okay. Game. Total touchdowns. Last year was 54. year before that, 57. What do you got? 55. I like the number 55. Okay. I, why do we think so alike? For my sacks and my takeaways, I have 55. 55. We both have Touchdowns, it. 55. One score games. How many and what's the record? BYU is going to play a ton of close games this year. Ooh. This is the conference. This is power five This football. is BYU being competitive in every game. Seven one-score games and? BYU will play. Four and three in those games. I go five one-score games. I go okay. two and three All right. in those. I think seven. It's going to be close. Yeah. I hope BYU fans are ready. It's going to be, I think, more often than not, a nail-biter for BYU. Which is exciting. That's You want uh, to compete. And, sure. And I don't see – yeah, I – I don't see, and I'm hoping that BYU, you, you're going to lose some games. That BYU is competitive in sure. those games in a way that in the past sometimes it was like, okay, last year against Arkansas, I was disappointing not to be as competitive late in that game. I think BYU is more competitive this year with better depth and a new defensive uh, staff. Yes, and to clarify, by one-score games, the game will be eight determined by eight points or fewer. Yes. Okay? Yeah. So if it's nine or more, then it obviously does not qualify. But I think there will be seven of the 13. Okay. Decided by eight points or fewer. Season. This is I'm ready for this. Let's go. All right. Uh, that is uh, your all of your projections. Did you want to add anything last minute? Like, no. do you, you want to throw anything else? Like random Long, craziness? Longest, longest, longest punt, punt uh, by Ryan Rico. Ryan Rico. Okay. Yeah. Because we can. I mean, we're on live TV. We can yeah. we can change things up. Uh, the control I, room's like, please don't. We don't for, have a grab. For the record, I don't think Ryan Rico's going to break his BYU record. No. Which is just three against Arizona State. Absurd number. Like, yeah. you need, like, the perfect scenario yeah. to make that happen. Our question of the day. What is your boldest guarantee about the BYU football season? I'm interested to hear what people have to say. Aaron Huff answers on Facebook. He says, Aiden Robbins will rush for 1,000 yards. So it's bold, but you also firmly believe You're it You're guaranteeing it. We're very excited about the soul line and Aiden Robbins. I can't wait to see it, man. A thousand yards in thirteen games is like seventy-eight yards a game. It's not crazy. You can do it's that. Not, you have to have some games where you get one thirty, where you got seventy. In yes, he was a thousand-yard rusher at UNLV behind a what we believe is much less capable offensive line than what BYU has. Yes, here. yes. John Weaver on Facebook, bowl eligible. He says this. These are bold guarantees. Bowl eligible and mm-hmm. beating Texas. And Oklahoma. Listen, we'll take it. There's great history there. It's 6-1 and one combined. Let's go. Holy cow. Hashtag BYUSN on X, Facebook, and Instagram. After further review, uh, returns tonight, second edition of Meet the Players. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, David Nixon break down the best plays from impact players like Ben Bywater, Max Tooley, and others. A brand new edition of After Further Review tonight, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Up next, BYU football head coach Kalani Satake live in Studio B. Hey. What has he learned about his team during fall camp that maybe he didn't know before it started? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is sponsored by Feastbox Global Grill. 
a unique dining experience featuring Texas, Hawaiian, and Korean meats. Time to feast. This is this is something that, that we've been dreaming of. Right. Was that fun or what? But I know our fans will be excited and they'll cheer. And really try to do everything we can to, to, to make them cheer. B, this is your day-to-day -day BYU sports play-by-play. -play. It is the 2023 BYU football season preview special in Studio B. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. As promised, the head football coach, Kalani Satake, with us in the Cougar Council Room. Coach, welcome back. 11 days away. How you feeling right now as the season bears down? Let's go. I, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. The guys are excited for the game and for the season to start, you know, so... Uh, I've had a really good fall camp so far, and, and uh, we'll utilize all the time to get ready for it and make sure that we're ready to perform at our best. A lot of familiar names on this uh, team, but half the roster is new. You brought in 31 transfers. What have you learned about this group so far? Well, I think the group is a lot closer than, than I, I ever anticipated, and that's a, that's a huge compliment to the players that are already on the team before uh, we had all the newcomers uh, arrive. But... Uh, the, the culture, um, the leadership that we're seeing from all of them, and, and just having even the new guys uh, that have one year of eligibility left feel comfortable enough to, to lead and to speak. In order for uh, uh, leadership to, to take place, you need guys that are willing to follow and, and guys that are humble enough to listen, and, and we have that on our team right now, and I feel really good about the, the overall feeling with everyone and the camaraderie and the, brother, the brotherhood. You may have just answered the question, but uh, if not, is there anything else you've learned about this team from the time that camp started to now that maybe you weren't sure about when camp convened mm -hmm. and, and you got going? We were always worried about how physical the team's going to be. And so we, uh, I know I have coaches and coordinators that want to get the guys in a uh, physical type of play. And so we, we did that. We, we had a physical camp, had physical spring ball. And so... Uh, I, I can say that the, the players have stepped up and, you know, their physical group. So we'll see what, what happens on, on game night. But I feel really pleased with, with uh, our level of physicality and uh, the aggression and the, the, their willingness. And I think sometimes it, it, it spilled over into a little bit of, you know, some melees and stuff like that. But it's okay. <laughs> we were able to control it and, uh, and you know, sometimes get guys make mistakes. And, and, uh, but we'll fix them all and make sure that there's none of that going on during the game. Offensively, uh, a lot of excitement around some new pieces in Keaton Slovis, quarterback, Aiden Robbins. And then an offensive line that was really good last year. Aaron Roderick has said, hey, we, we are deeper. Uh, and you brought in a lot of transfers in, in that area. Is it safe to feel uh, and expect like this offense could approximate or maybe even be better than what it was last year? Well, I think that's hard to always compare when, when it's a different schedule. you know. But uh, going into, I think what A-Rod's feeling is, Going into the, the, the season now, I, I see him a little bit more confident than uh, we definitely when we were in January. But uh, I, I think he's feeling really good about how the team's going, and uh, that's probably why he was able to speak so um, bravely on those those terms in, in the offense. But uh, from what I'm seeing, it, it's 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 delivering so far. Uh, but all all matters on game night. That that's when you had 12 opportunities to do it, and that's that's the time to, to show and. Right now, it's look, looking promising. Kalani Satake is with us on BYU Sports Nation. It's our season preview special. Much has been said about Jay Hill and his impact and the energy that he brings to the defensive side of the ball. How do you know as a head coach when the defense is performing at the level you want it to be performing at? Like, what are you looking for and saying, 
yes, this is how I want the defense to be. Yeah, I think the main thing is that when you're looking at, and, and this is for uh, us as a team working against each other, uh, if one side is winning all the time, that's a bad sign. Um, and, but especially if one side's really, really good and has tons of uh, veterans, and that means that we didn't, we didn't um, build a talent gap on the other side. And, and what we have is you'll have some things start off where the offense is doing really, really well, and then the defense responds. And then uh, some other moments when the scrimmage where the defense starts off really strong and then the offense responds. So there's a lot of good back and forth. And maybe at the end of the day you can say this is probably the offense won overall. But there's not this huge discrepancy of offense killed it, defense was horrible. Defense killed it, offense was horrible. It's now a little bit more balanced out. And, and the battles are, are actually going back and forth. It's series to series. And uh, that's a good sign. And then and, and Jay Hill's an, an aggressive person. And, uh, that's, that's how he thinks and that's how he coaches. And so he, if there's a mistake, he's going to fix it right on the spot. Um, which is which is nice, you know, and, and and have him do it, and I don't have to. Have the, <laughs> my voice is a lot better now than it's ever been, but if you listen to Jay, his voice is gone. It's mid-season. Yeah, before. so <laughs> so uh, yeah, you've heard my voice be raspy in in uh, you know fall camp around this time, but uh, I seem to be able to sing my songs and have a, you know, be able to be okay. But I'm not gargling with lemon juice and stuff like that. But uh, Jay's voice is hammered, which is a good sign. That is a good sign. How many position battles are still going on where you are determining the starters mm -hmm. and how many are uh, determined? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's some that you feel really comfortable with it being set, um, but it, the competition always has to happen. I, I feel like there's got to be, uh, nobody can feel too comfortable. And once they feel comfortable and complacent, which is human nature sometimes, I think you have to make the decision to make a switch. And so when you have that, you have that mindset a guy like Keaton knows that the other quarterbacks are going to be ready uh, whenever their number is called. And, and, uh, but we don't want him to feel like there's pressure, but he's going to put pressure on himself to perform. And so in these other position groups where there's playing time that they're battling for, that's going to go well into the season. Um, and maybe we feel like we have more than one starter at that spot and we feel like we can uh, play more people. But uh, at the same time, um, someone's got to win the spot. And I think we want to be able to cement some starting spots so that guys can know that they're the definite guy. And there's only so many reps that you can do in practice. And so we need to make sure that the ones get all the reps and, and uh, that there's a battle maybe for two and three to, to get the next reps if, if uh, the, an opportunity happens that way. Along those lines, everyone likes to talk about depth and fall camp. Oh, such a buzzword. Oh, it's the, <laughs> oh, the depth. Everyone feels deeper. How do you quantify that? How do you know if you're actually deeper? Because it feels like this team is deeper in the amount of talent you have brought um, and it's not with the starters per se to me, it's with the twos where you go, hey, our twos are better than we were mm -hmm. last year, but you really kind of have to wait to the games maybe to, to see that that guy was closer to being a starter than you think. How do you kind of quantify that? Yeah, I think that's the goal for the coaches is to put as much stress on them. And that's why we threw the playbook at them right from the beginning uh, and try to install as much as we could uh, to see how they would respond. And then you kind of gauge it from the mistakes that they make. Uh, we had our scrimmage last Saturday um, and a scrimmage last practice, and, and there were some mistakes that were uh, not normal, but, but given those re extra reps, those twos and threes were able to get those reps, and we held out a couple guys, and, and uh, nothing's more evident of, of needing, needing improvement than the film. <laughs> and so when mistakes did happen, 
uh, we want to make sure that we address it. But then you can also count on guys that, hey, when, when, when it's live and it's time to play, we need to know we can count on you. So um, missed assignments, things like that, we can't count on. <clears throat> and there was uh, some administrative mistakes that we definitely need to improve on. Okay, as you look at the first two games with Sam Houston, uh, again, 11 days from today, and then in comes Southern Utah, what are you hoping to accomplish in th those first two games to get you ready for 10 Power 5 opponents in a row? Well, I'm, I'm trying to get our team ready, and our coach is trying to get our team ready for 12 Power 5 teams in Ooh, a row. Ooh, okay. So that the mindset isn't mm -hmm. that we're – there's no such thing as a warm-up. You know, we, we – uh, Sam Houston – uh, their coach, Casey Keeler, is a great coach, and they, they've won national championship at FCS level. Sure, recently. Uh, yeah, recently. And so you're looking at the, the things that he's done, and he's actually won national championship at Delaware when he was the head coach there. So they have a championship coaching staff and mindset. So you can't take anyone lightly. Uh, and, and more than that, it's like we want to be at our best 12 opportunities. We only get 12 guaranteed, right? So if we do that right, I, I feel like we have a good chance at, at creating more. But um, you, you can't have the mindset of, okay, we'll see how it feels and all that. No, we, we've got to get after it from the very beginning. And our goal is to play our best 12 times. And that, that it, I know you mentioned P5 level 10 in a row, but where we have to have that mindset of being P5 level 12 in a row. Certainly last year, uh, you probably wanted the third and fourth down kind of conversion number to be a little higher, third and short uh, specifically. What's been done to sort of address that with the O-line and the running backs at this point? Yeah, I mean, uh, getting a big back that can run over some people is, is a start, and then having a physical lineman that can block people is, is a start. But also, scheme-wise, there's a lot of things that I know A-Rod uh, and the staff worked on trying to improve in, in the short yardage, uh, third and fourth specifically. But uh, we saw some improvement in our practice, and, and um uh, you know, my, my, my goal is to, we have one of the best punters in, in, in the country, and so we can really flip the field. We but, just talked about that. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but, I, but I'm an aggressive person. I like yeah. to go for it on fourth down. So well, the, the goal is to see what would be best for the team rather than um, getting emotional and saying, well, let's, let's get after it, let's go. And let's, there's, there's, there's different levels of aggression, but then there's also uh, being, being uh, you know, having the strategy be working your favor. I think in the bowl game, we kind of did that because we had to. We didn't have our quarterback. We were going with a, a third-string quarterback at the time, so we had to kind of position it to put ourselves in the best position to win. Uh, that's the most important thing for us to win. So depending on what we decide, uh, we'll have to make those decisions really quickly, but I feel comf more comfortable with the short yardage um, system on our team uh, now than I did a year ago, and we'll just see how it works out. But, but we also have the comfort of knowing that, that we have a guy that can flip the field with his leg. We'll finish with this. Uh, I know that the, the Micah Harper injury certainly hits home for you as a head coach, and he's been awesome on social media and, and his posts and just the, the kind of optimism and the, and the faith that he's showing there. But it, it leaves an unanswered question in the safeties group. Um, maybe it's Ethan Slade, maybe it's Tanner Wall, maybe it's Raider DeMuni to join Malik Moore and Talon Alfrey, but how do you see that position playing out with Micah not available this season? Yeah, I mean, it, it always hurts losing uh, uh, really good players and playmakers, and so we definitely, uh, it's an unfortunate part of the game, so sometimes those injuries happen, and uh, you know, it, it, it hurts not having Micah with us um, on the field, but he can be with us and, and contribute in other ways, but then 
and especially mentoring the, the young uh, safeties that haven't had a lot of reps and experience in games. But uh, we feel good about the depth there. And I feel good that Jay Hill coaches that position specifically. And so any deficiencies that he may see that we have, whether it's lack of experience or um, playmaking ability, I think there's tons of talent there. Um, Jay's on top of it, you know, and I feel really conf uh, confident that he'll get it done the right way. And so far since the injury, we, we're seeing a lot of really good things happen from that room. And uh, I think there's a bunch of playmakers there and you named a, a good good number of them. But we'll see what happens. And uh, like I said, Jay Hill, that's his that's his expertise is the back backfield sure. and and definitely with the safety. So it'll be exciting to see how they respond. And, re and real quick, Will Farron, you feeling good about the kicking game right now with him? I do. And, and you know, we put a lot of stress on the on him and Matthias in the spring, and we made him kick in, like, the, the worst position possible when the media showed up <laughs> and it was windy and... and good not, luck! Not, practice and <laughs> yeah, and, and, and this, but this is what K-pop does. Uh, Kenny Papinga is a great coach, and he knows that the season is you know, months away when he did this in spring and he knew that he had to get competition rolling. And I could tell you that they took the off season a little bit more, uh, with a little bit more um, ag aggressiveness to trying to get better and urgency. And then we, we're starting to see it now. And I, don't, I can't make predictions because kicking game's always different, but I can tell you, I feel a lot better now than I did um, in spring. And I feel really comfortable with the group, but I, most importantly, I feel really good about uh, their coach. And, and I think K-pop's got, got things under control. All right, fourth and two on the 33 against Sam Houston. What are you doing? You don't have to answer that. Which 33? <laughs> analytics say go. Which 33? analytics say go. I love that you even asked that question. Which yeah. 33? <laughs> Maybe we'll go for it on our own 33. Uh, coach, if you do lose your voice, uh, may I recommend the medicine ball from Starbucks? Okay. okay. We're big medicine okay. ball fans, yeah. Uh, or you can recommend it to Jay, too. Like, If I lose my voice, it'll be because I'm screaming for excitement and energy. <laughs> love it. In, in Lavelle Edwards Stadium with The Rock. So it'll be it. a lot of fun. That'll be awesome. Coach, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate you guys. Go Kooks. Go Kooks. Okay, BYSN game day, Saturday, September 2nd. Spence and Brian and Dave and Blaine and David got you at 8 Eastern. Two hours and 15 minutes of awesome leading up to the game. You can watch Kalani lose his voice yelling with the rock in the Cougar Walk. It's going to be awesome. After the break, we take an insider's look at the BYU offense led by quarterback Keaton Slovis with Blaine Fowler. Where has he improved most during camp? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. We are live at Studio B. This is your day-to-day -day BYU sports play-by-play. -play. It is the 2023 BYU football season preview special on BYUSN. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. This or segment rather presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. And we focus this segment on the BYU football offense and do so with dual threat analyst. Uncle B, Blaine Fowler, national champion quarterback, is with us in the Cougar Council Room. What's up, Blaine? Let's break this offense down position by position, Blaine, to, to give – fans an idea of what this team is actually going to do when they take the field in 11 days. Yeah, I, I think I'm most excited about is I, in my recent memory, I cannot remember a deeper offense. So I can remember times when at certain position groups, they're really, really good, but, but every single position group on offense has talent and it's got depth of talent, which I cannot say in the last 10 or 15 years that I remember a time where 
there's not a position group that I'm worried about. So that's pretty fun. That's okay. quite the statement. Let's start with the quarterbacks. Obviously, Keaton Slovis, three years at USC, one at Pitt. He is the starter. Jake Retzloff looks like the backup at this point. What mm -hmm. are you seeing with the twos and threes? So, so Retzloff, and, and, and Keaton's been phenomenal, right? Like, makes all the throws, but the way he's picked up this offense and how he's advanced and getting the ball out has been phenomenal. Has is, is that improved specifically during camp? Yes. So from, from, day one, from spring ball till now, mm -hmm. I think he is, has so much better command of this offense that I'm, I'm really excited and bullish on him. Retzloff also advancing. He's a, he's a baller. Like, he'll run around and make plays. He gets the ball out. He plays with confidence. He's got an interesting release. Unorthodox. A little bit of a sidearm release, but very effective. I'm like, after every practice, I'm like, boy, he's got an interesting release, and he's throwing all kinds of completes all over the place. And then, then Cade Finnegan is also a guy that has the skill set, has been here, understands the offense um, that could play. And so any of any of those guys could get inserted into the lineup if Keaton's the guy obviously but but I feel very confident um, in both Cade Finnegan and Retzloff that they could step in there and do a great job and run this offense and win games if something were to happen to Keaton I'm gonna, is this wood yeah sure I'm knocking I'm Close knocking enough. on wood I hope everybody heard wood, me knocking yeah. on wood faux wood works too for knocking <laughs> somewhere Ryder Burton saying hey uh, I'll challenge for the number three or the number two spot yeah. so and and Ryder Burton when you watch him it jumps off the page his skill set like, he can, we always say he can spin it. He throws the ball, a lot of velocity on the ball, makes every throw, very poised, not afraid to throw it in there. He's just young, and so the game is still coming to him. You know, you'd like to be able to see him play in a few games this year. And, and you know. And redshirt. And redshirt. You can go um, four plus a ball. Yeah, and, and I don't know. I think you see how the season plays off, because remember, Restliff has that redshirt year, too. Yes, and so does. you could stagger these guys in a way that you're really taking care of. Uh, but I'm glad you bring up Ryder Burton, because – Ryder Burton looks like the real deal. You just don't want to have to play a freshman. Sure, no, yeah. not in the Big 12 especially. Okay, we got to go uh, like 45 seconds per here. Running backs, Aiden Robbins, Deion Smith, LJ Martin plus? Um, LJ, well, and Hinkley Rapati as well, right? I think Hinkley's only question last year was, um, well, can he take care of the ball? Because the ball was on the ground a lot during camp and during practice. And when they finally put him in a game, he took care of the ball. It was like, well, wait a minute here. Maybe he's just a gamer and the ball's not going to be on the ground. He's phenomenal in the screen game. He's great in the open field, understands how to set up blocks. He's low to the ground and runs hard. I mean, we had that breakout game against Boise State. And so I think he's in the mix as well. And LJ Martin, you get a freshman that comes in at running back and you just think, hey, running backs need to be men, right? They need to be big, strong guys. Is a freshman ready? Oh, he's ready. Like, he looks good, and he will play some this year and, and be in that mix. And then there's also Miles Davis. And so um, let me just say third and one is not a problem anymore. Okay. Third and one. <laughs> okay. Aiden Chain Robbins. moving one last year matter. was an issue. This year, put Aiden Robbins back there. And with this offensive line, it's not a problem. Jaron pointed out yesterday, 121st in the country in third down conversion. That, that's, uh, to me, it's yeah. the single most important thing they have to improve on this season to be better. And I feel so good about it right now with that group of running backs. Great. Or maybe that was the defense. Either way, the offense and defense, third down conversion. Gotta, you got to get off the field. Both were bad. You got to yes. get off the field of your defense. You got to stay on the field stay of your on offense, the field. right? Okay, wide receivers. This is an intriguing group. Okay, Cody Epps, Keanu Hill, and Chase Roberts are the three incumbents, if right. you will. Then you add Keelan Marion from UConn mm -hmm. and Darius Lassiter, who we've learned from Pestisataki has the strongest hands and is very precise of this wide receiver group. Parker Kingston might be the surprise of the camp in the wide receiver group. What do you like about the wide receivers? Yeah, it's it's a deep room, which you think, hey, can you lose Puka? Can you know, can you they you, they lost some significant talent there, right? Um, and you're thinking 
can they replace those guys? Well, I love what they did in the transfer portal. Um, you mentioned Lasseter. He's a big guy, 6'3", or six, uh, and, and strong, strong hands. And, uh, you know, I think he's more like 210. When you see him, he's put together. He's going to go compete and high point the ball. When he's got one-on-one -on -one coverage, you can throw it out there, and he's going to go get it. And then Keelan Marion is his feet, extremely quick feet. Great hands. He's maybe a little bit smaller in terms of how thick he is compared to Puka, but maybe a little bit quicker. And I think, boy, they really reloaded with that with the transfer portal. And then, you know, guys like uh, Parker Kingston and Nyberg um, have looked really good in fall camp too. So this is another really deep group with really good top end talent. I like it. Tight ends: Isaac Rex plus who else is going to be in the mix there? E Ethan Erickson has. He's like, like we talk about, you got to be a man to play. Like, Ethan Erickson is a man this year. Like, he has put on some good weight, and he looks good. He's the type of tight end that can put his hand on the ground and block or, uh, you know, get out and run routes. He's going to be really, really good. Um, Fakahua can go back and forth between the tight end spot and that H-back, yes. F-back spot mm -hmm. and lead block. He, he's doing a great job. Anthony Olsen's in the mix. I thought Bowers, he's a freshman. Is he really – we could see him in the mix – before it's all said and done. And there's a couple of other guys, uh, Paulo and Taase. Yes, at the H-back position. Right, who I have seen at that H-back position, these are guys, everybody's like, well, how are we going to Mason Mason Wake? Like, what's going to happen? Who's going to be? These guys can really block. They are big, physical, strong, athletic dudes. This and, is Taase right here. Making yeah, and I'm like, okay, what are we going to do about that? Because because Mason was such an integral part of the run game and his ability to block and then come out and catch balls and do that. I feel really good about uh, Paulo and Taase. You know, and everybody knows about Erickson and Rex because they played. Here's the other thing. Isaac Rex is healthy. Yes. Yep. yep. And I'm watching him cut off of that surgically repaired ankle now and get separation. I'm watching him run an inside breaking route on that ankle and not have to round it off. And so I think we see the Isaac Rex from two years ago, not the Isaac Rex from last year, and that makes a big difference. All right, let's finish with the group that I know you feel really good about, maybe the best of any offensive position group, the offensive line. Yeah, it, I feel like this has the opportunity to be one of the best offensive lines in the conference. So that's saying a lot because this is a conference that, that plays a lot of great offense and has some great offensive linemen. This group is physical and nasty and big, and, and they've reloaded. And, and, and I'm going to draw your attention to, to Miley. Miley's the smallest guy. Mm -hmm. I was talking to Connor Pay the other day after practice, and Connor's like, sometimes Paul comes off the ball so violently that it takes my attention away. Like, like I actually like look over there. Like, I feel him next to me. <laughs> the collision he's creating is so violent that I'm like, whoa, that dude. And remember, both Connor and and um, Paul, they can interchange. So Paul can go over and play center. Connor can play guard. Um, that first group, Edian, who, who comes from Oklahoma State with a lot of P5 experience. Kingsley's a freakish athlete at, at left tackle. Um, uh, Waylon Lapawahu at right guard is really good. And then there's depth. Braden Kime would be the starting left tackle at most places in the country, including P5s. And he's kind of playing a bunch of different positions and trying to fight his way in there right now. That tells you how good they mm. are. Lots of depth. Really physical. Watch Paul Miley. He's going to put smiles on people's faces that like violent play on the <laughs> offensive line. Okay, after that conversation, I'm ready for BYU to win eight games, Jerem. Let's, Let's go. go. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Let's go. <laughs> I'm ready. Blaine, awesome breakdown. The Thanks offense the is ready to go, guys. Offense is ready awesome. to go. Upgraded at every position according to their offensive coordinator, Aaron Roderick. Up next, let's examine the new look BYU football defense, shall we? How much better can the Cougars really be in year one of a new coordinator? David Nixon tells us on BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk. 
your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Back to BYU Sports Nation and the 2023 BYU football season preview special. He is Jerem, I am Spencer. Let's talk defense, shall we, with the new defensive coordinator Jay Hill in charge and bring in former NFL and BYU linebacker David Nixon to break it down position by position. David, oh, welcome, bro. Uh, the offense is going fast, going harder, so we need you to respond. Yeah, to defense, yeah I like this. Kid. I like this. Beginning with uh, one of the largest question marks on the defensive line, your defensive tackle preview. Some familiar names there. What do you think of the group overall? Well, I love what they've done. What they brought in some transfers, right? Uh, you look at Cravens and, and what he's able to do to kind of bolster the interior. You've got Caden Haas, uh, you got uh, Atunasa Mahe. So you got some guys who have had some starts. And, and, and this is the thing. This defense had some growing pains uh, earlier on a couple years ago because you had young guys playing, and now it's starting to pay dividends. You've got guys with significant starts underneath their belts, especially the nose tackle, the defensive tackle position um, that's going to provide that depth. Sure. Because we all know that that line, the defensive line, they rotate every two or three plays. And so you need some depth there to be able to rotate those guys in and out. Um, and, and that's exactly what Mahe, Cravens, uh, and Caden uh, Haas help you. Hey, throw in John Nightmare Nelson. Yep, who's moved and, from who's end. moved from in to inside. That's right. And Nelson is a guy who, as we saw him at the defensive end, wreaked havoc uh, with with multiple sacks yep. throughout the season. You move him now inside, so you have a more agile, uh, big body there in the inside, and that's uh, that's huge help as well. The biggest addition there is Sione Puha uh, as the coach. He'll make a <laughs> difference, man. Edge uh, preview. Certainly Tyler Batty leads this group. And then Isaiah Banya is a nice ad from Boise State. Uh, Isaiah Banya, I love his game. Watching him in practice and the way he's, he moves. And, and, and the fact that, you know, Kelly Papinga basically brings him over from, from Boise State when he came here. Uh, but then you put John, uh, excuse me, you put Tyler Batty on the other side. And now you've got two bona fide studs on the outside. And, and I, I love the depth there as well. Uh, I'm a you know a little shout out to my nephews, the, the Daly brothers. Both those guys are rotating as well. Uh, you know, just talking to Kalani, looks like uh, Michael Daly's working in with the twos now. Um, and so you've got a lot of depth on the outside for those guys too. But you look at the you look at the starters. Uh, I think Batty and, and Isaiah Batty. I, I, those are two guys that are that are bona fide studs. And, okay. And, the killer bees. And and you need in the Big 12, you're going to need pressure on the outside. You go against teams like Texas Tech, Kansas, they're going to air it out. You've got to have some pressure on the outside. I think those two guys definitely bring that to the table. Blake Mangelson also in the mix there, and uh, a different defense, no doubt about it. Uh, what are they? What I, I heard they said, uh, one a one gap defense where they just make it one read and you go, baby. And and, and that's what I you know you, you almost simplify the defense and you tell your kids, hey, you've got the B gap, you got the C, you got the A, and now you play fast. Now you're firing off the ball, and and I think uh, when you when you know what you're doing and there's no indecision in your mind, when you know that you've got a certain gap. Man, you, you can. You can play with confidence, and you play that much faster. And that's exactly what, what has happened with this defense. Uh, and then you throw in the blitzes and the different looks, and that's what motivates a defense, right? Yes, I mean, yes. you're able to play fast when you have confidence, but now you're able to be motivated because you know that they're going to allow you to get after the quarterback. Because every defense guy, I don't care if you're a cornerback, you want to get a sack. That's, that's what matters. Uh, and, and that's exactly what Jay Hill's dialing up for this defense is, is ways to get after the quarterback and, and wreak havoc. Okay, your position, backers. Oh, man. The linebacker position is loaded. This might be—I mean, we, think like we kind of say this every year—but in, in seriousness, <laughs> we do. You look at this position and you look at the starts. Okay, so let's start in the middle backer with Ben Bywater. Yep. Coming off 20 starts, he's had—he's led the team in tackles for two consecutive years. First time that's been done since Fred Warner. We think it's going to be three. I, I wouldn't be surprised. <clears throat> then you look at Max Tooley on the other side. 21 starts underneath his belt, so that's 41 starts between the two. Three pick sixes last year. I, unbelievable instincts. You know, the, these guys are, are fantastic on the edges. 
And at the and at the edge, AJ. I just say AJ because for me, Long Pachal. Yeah, I'll just keep. I'll stay with AJ. But AJ comes in with 33 career starts. So between the three linebackers, you have 74 career starts. Awesome. That's unbelievable. You couldn't ask for more as you head into the Big 12 with experience uh, from from that linebacker core. And, and, the, and the hope there is that these guys get to just just flow, right? I mean, uh, you've got good size on all of them, but they're all great runners. And I think that's the exciting part. You can drop them into coverage, similar to what uh, Brian Keel and I had to do back in the day. Yes. We saw from Fred Warner and those guys where they, they can come up and help with the run. But they've got to be able to drop into the pass. Uh, and, and that's what these backers bring to the table. They, they've got speed on the outside, great instincts. Um, but I'm really, really excited about that linebacker. Versatility and athleticism. Uh, you throw in the Oregon transfer, Harrison Taggart. Ammon Hanneman has moved from safety up to linebacker. And I know the coaches really have Isaiah Glasker there too. So the depth looks pretty good. The, the depth looks great. And, and the good thing about this defense, once again, is you can move some of those outside edge guys back to, to linebacker and vice versa, depending on the needs uh, and depending on the offense you're facing that week. Um, and so there's a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of versatility with this defensive unit. Okay, cornerback. you got Jacob Robinson, full-time corner. Eddie Heckard's come in from Weber State, which would be awesome. They've got some depth there as well. Yeah, I, I feel like corner in the secondary for BYU has always been kind of a question mark. Uh, this year, you look at the guys that have come in. Eddie Heckard, you go watch him in one-on-ones, he absolutely dominates. It, it's, it's, it's a blast to watch. He's a technician, and the way that he's able to move his body and the way he's able to uh, D up the, those wide receivers, especially these BYU wide receivers that are they're, they're pretty good guys, um, pretty skilled. Uh, he Heckard is, is uh, honestly might go down just in just in the one year uh, might go down as one of the better cornerbacks to have played here. Uh, then, as you mentioned, Jacob Robson, tons of experience coming to the bringing to the table. Um, and let me re retrace a little bit. The thing I love about Hecker too is he played underneath this Jay Hill defense at Weber State. He, he knows, yep. and so he knows the defense already. So he now becomes almost that captain in that defensive room, saying, "Hey, this is how it's run. This is how we play off each other." Um, and you talked to Kalani. I was, I was talking to him just a minute ago after he left the show. Uh, he said Eddie's one of those guys that just loves film. Him and AJ are just sitting there. They just just film junkies. Mm. Uh, any minute, spare minute they have, they say, let's draw another clip. Uh, and, and that's what you want. And, you know, with those transfers in, you want them to push the other players to say, hey, this is how it's done elsewhere. This is how it should be done here. And I think that's exactly what's happening there in that cornerback room and, and with all these transfers. Yeah. Gennaro Guilford said he wants that cornerback position primarily at like three guys that play. Uh, Cam Garrett and Maury Bomba are going are gonna to compete for that third spot. Uh, the safeties. We just talked to Kalani as well about how to replace Micah Harper. Like you can't exactly. Physical, uh, really, really leadership role player for this safety group. But you do have Malik Moore, who brings a lot of experience. Talon Alfrey and Ethan Slade, I've heard, has been one of the surprises of camp. Yeah, you go out there and watch Ethan Slade, and this is a guy that kind of jumps off the paper. One that, you know, there's always some sleepers in camp. Guys mm -hmm. that show up that are in better shape than you thought they'd be um, or that are more prepared than you thought they'd be. And Ethan Slade's one of those guys. And I think that he's going to add us some add some much-needed depth there. Uh, but Malik Moore, very veteran guy who's been on the back end. He's going to be kind of the captain on the secondary. And then as you mentioned, Talon Alfrey, but Slade is the one that I would not be surprised to see him get significant reps, uh, if not maybe even you know, start, depending on the defense they decide to roll out against Sam Houston State uh, you know, here in a couple weeks. And so um, you know, that, that's a player I'm keeping my eye on. But I, I love the secondary. We throw in, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Jacob Robinson, um, you know, Malik Moore, and then you throw in this, the, the corners, the secondary is very solid. And, and keep in mind that they're going to have some help from that defensive uh, you know, front seven, eight, depending on how often they can get after the quarterback. Uh, but these corners, in this defense, you don't have to be on the – you're going to be on an island, but you don't have to guard for too long. The hope is that you get home within a couple seconds, right? And so it's, can you resist the long ball? Uh, but they're going to have plenty of opportunities for interceptions because that ball is going to be coming out quick, uh, and hopefully it's going to be disrupted. 
and the timing will hopefully be off between the, co the, the quarterback and the wide receiver, and you have opportunities to jump routes and create some turnovers. So that's the exciting part for those guys is, is understanding where what their role is and their chance to uh, get some big-time turnovers. David, you're making me feel like I'm underselling this team as a seven-win team. Like, Blaine wants, makes me want to go to eight. This makes me want to go to eight. And if you want more breakdown, after further review coming up yes. tonight, 7 yep. Eastern on the BYU. I love that. Thanks for hanging out and a great breakdown of the defense. Yeah, always fun, guys. Appreciate it. Okay, coming up, what is your boldest guarantee about the BYU football season? We'll hear from you after the break. Be bold. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. A BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Our question of the day, what's your boldest guarantee about the upcoming BYU football season? Bryce and Denny on Instagram answers, BYU gets into the AP Top 10 this season. Boldest guarantee. Now, if BYU beats Arkansas and then Ooh. beats Kansas and Cincinnati. Top 15? They are they are 5-0 and at that point and knocking on the door, if not in. Oh, top like, 10, 5-0? Like, and that, like there's Ooh. a way. Just you have to beat Arkansas. You have to beat Kansas yeah. on the road. Yeah. Our lead voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes from Gary Hardy, also on Instagram, who says, my boldest guarantee is that BYU goes 9-4, and four, including a bowl game win and earns the respect from everyone in the first year of the Big 12. That would be tremendous. 9-4. and four. Listen, we're, you can't help but feel good after what we heard today on the program. Yeah, and maybe 7-5 and plus a bowl game wins 8 oh, wins. Oh, and maybe, maybe that's where I'm leaning. <laughs> Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Good luck uh, to Kenneth Rooks, who's competing in the World Championships in the Steeplechase at 335 Eastern on USA Network and Peacock. Good luck to Kenneth in Budapest, Hungary. He's running for the World Championship as a collegiate athlete. He's on a mission like two years ago, right? It's just wild. Our thanks yeah. to today's guests, Kalani Satake, Blaine Fowler, and David Nixon. Sorry to Dennis, who ran out of time. We sincerely ran out of time. Too good today. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to CJ Ayu. We'll see you for after further review live on the app tonight, 7 Eastern, 5 Mountain. Go Cougs. Bring on the season.